The Grand Canyon. It's on everybody's bucket list. More than six million people visit each year, whether it's an epic backpacking trip, a mule ride, or a whitewater adventure. For the more fragile or elderly, a drive to the rim is the only option. But what if you could take a gondola ride to the canyon floor? That's the thought one developer and a former Navajo president had two decades ago. They've been trying to make it happen ever since. They claim it will provide more than 3,000 jobs in a place where employment opportunities are scarce. So what's stopping the development? People from at least four different tribes consider this land to be their church. It's called the Confluence, the place where the Colorado and Little Colorado Rivers meet at the eastern edge of the Grand Canyon on the Navajo side. This struggle that galvanized a nation with the Standing Rock Sioux and the Dakota Access Pipeline is happening all over the country. It's a conflict between what tribes believe to be sacred and what Western culture considers fair game. This is Earth and Bone. I'm Laurel Morales. Where the waters come together, that's where life comes from. And then when we go back, after we finish our life journeys, that's where we go back to. It's here where Renee Yellowhorse sends her prayers out to the wind to her Navajo ancestors. I stand on a cliff 3,500 feet above the confluence. It's just rained upstream, so the Little Colorado River is a red, muddy brown, and the wider Colorado River is a deep emerald green. At the intersection of the two, they swirl and twist together to make a new color all their own. Yellow Horse and her family live a few miles from the confluence. To them, protecting this place is self-defense. But the developers say there's no record of the confluence as a culturally significant or sacred place. Those records fail to recognize historical and current-day beliefs and practices. For people to come in and say, outside people, to tell me where I pray and where my grandparents have prayed, where my great-grandparents have prayed, that to tell me that that is not, a, not sacred is, they, they can't tell me that. For the Navajo and Zuni, the beliefs are similar. I spoke with Zuni elder Octavia Siatua. What does this place mean to you? It means a uh, place of origin. It means a place where all the Zuni people came from. How, I think it's um, a difficult thing for people to understand what is sacred. Right. Can you put that into words? Sacred is something that you're taught, that you can understand because you're part of, part of the earth, part of the canyon, part of the sky. There's a lot of people that they go to church and they hold that sacred, but it's only in a little portion of their lives, like maybe Sunday morning. But for us, when we come here, we leave an offering. We talk to our ancestors, and they're here listening to us. So that's sacred. The Hopi tribe also believes the confluence is sacred. It's voted against the proposed development. Herman Honani is the chairman of the Hopi tribe. It is just surreal. It's just majestic. It's why would anybody want to alter it in any state whatsoever, minute or grand? This belongs to the people. And, and I feel in, in some way that's why it was created. But more so with regard when I think about the history, the emergence of the Hopi people from the Grand Canyon, and as we return back, in that selfish way, I say it's ours. And we must let it remain as it is. 
The developers envision a tourist attraction called Grand Canyon Escalade, complete with gondola, two hotels, and a discovery center. Developer Lamar Whitmer says a tourist visiting northern Arizona would drive 100 miles from Flagstaff to Escalade. It'll take 10 minutes. You'll get in an eight-person gondola. You'll, you know, you'll descend, uh, I think it's 3,500 feet over uh, 1.7 miles, and uh, you'll arrive at a tram station, and you'll be able to go on the river walk and stroll along it and uh, see the canyon from the bottom up. The Wallapai tribe built a glass skywalk over the east side of the canyon in a similar endeavor, and they've had more than a million visitors this year. Whitmer says it will cost a billion dollars if he can convince the Navajo Council and President to break ground. Whitmer wants the tribe to shell out $65 million up front to build roads, power, and water lines. Money they'd eventually make back in ticket sales, he says. But it's unclear what percentage of those sales the tribe would see. They're going to sustain their people and preserve their culture. They have to create some jobs. You know, it's one of the most impoverished, if not the most impoverished place in the state. We believe the project actually helps them preserve their culture and present it in a dignified, respectful way to the rest of the world. How does it help preserve their culture? Well, we're going to have a discovery center that uh, will tell some of the Navajo stories. It'll tell about their relationship with the canyon and the sacredness of it. But Navajo archaeologist Jason Nez says he's not buying it. It's sort of like being in a domestic violent situation. They would point out all of our issues, like you have all these problems and we're gonna, I'm the only one that can help you. I'm the only one that can save you. I'm the only one that can bring you water, electricity. I'm the only one that can pave your roads. And I'm the only one that can help your, your drug problem, your suicide epidemic. Ness says Whitmer's argument is degrading and his plan would erode their culture and identity. Our identity comes from these places. Who we are as natives is rivers, canyons, and mountains. All of that makes up who we are as Native Americans. And when we destroy these places, when we desecrate them, when we belittle them, we're destroying ourselves. But many people are torn. The Navajo Nation Council is divided over whether to protect this land. Navajo Council member Walter Phelps isn't ready to say what side he's on. There's no doubt that we have tremendous need. Our people need jobs. There's a need to stimulate our communities, especially those that have been impacted by the former Bennett Freeze. Many compare the Navajo Nation to a developing country, but this corner of the reservation is even worse off because of something known as the Bennett Freeze. 8,000 Navajo people have lived paralyzed in a state of poverty even by Navajo standards. In 1966, Robert Bennett, the Commissioner of Indian Affairs, outlawed construction of any kind on this land in northeastern Arizona. This was his solution to a land dispute between the Navajo and Hopi tribes. The tribes came to an agreement in 2006, and former President Barack Obama officially lifted the freeze in 2009. I would personally have a lot more comfort if the people were to make a decision on it preferably in the form of a referendum. And then we would know, because that's what we did with the gaming. Zuni elder Octavia Siatoa says this decision involves more than the Navajo people. 
to build this tourist attraction would hurt relations with other tribes. It's going to be a long fight, but uh, we're here for the bitter end. The Navajo Council is currently considering the Escalade proposal. At least one committee has voted against it. Even if they are able to come up with a compromise they can all agree with, the Navajo president has said he would veto a development. If the Navajo president is somehow swayed by the developers, three groups are prepared for a legal fight, including the Hopi tribe over their sacred sites, the Havasupai over water, and Navajo families over grazing rights. This is Earth and Bone. I'm Laurel Morales.